Sports New Hampshire headlines in WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show as well as the rest of the shows the WKXL airs. Excited to be joined this week by senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmons of the New Hampshire Bulletin, newhampshirebulletin.com to get more from them. Welcome back to the show. Hi, great to be here. All right, so uh, we got a big old bummer of a story to start the episode, but I, I think it's important that we cover and uh, kind of continues along th- like a theme that's been discussed, especially since the Harmony Montgomery case is uh, DCYF's handling of certain situations and uh, like holes in the system that are kind of being revealed. And you specifically covered a uh, homicide case of a five-year-old boy that basically went under the radar. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a boy. He was um, victim of homicide in 2019 in Laconia. He's the child death that you've not heard of, probably. Um, he was in the guardianship of his grandmother at the time, as were his three, sib- four siblings. Um, and over the course of two and a half years with their grandmother, um, there was 25-ish, 27 reports to DCYF of suspected abuse and neglect. And these reports largely came from law enforcement, school officials, social workers. So, um, you know, I think sometimes it gets dismissed as an angry neighbor, but these were people who are so-called official reporters. Um, So it was pretty compelling. And in my story, I linked to the lawsuit for anyone who wants to kind of see that for themselves. Um, And so these came in, DCYF responded, but in each case um, found them either unfounded or didn't do the follow-up to come to a conclusion. Um, And so this continued in, these reports continued until the couple of weeks before um, Dennis Vaughn Jr. was killed on Christmas Eve 2019. um, And his death was ruled a homicide by blunt force trauma to his head. And next, so I wanted to do a couple of things. I wondered why this case, unlike other cases of um, child um, homicides, hadn't gotten the attention. Um, And I talked to the mom and she said something really interesting. She said, I'm so happy that Harmony Montgomery and Elijah Lewis um, and and one other child had gotten the governor's attention, had gotten the police attention, because I feel like putting it out there helped bring an arrest um, no one's been charged in this case. Um, and I and I want that for my child. I want someone to say Dennis Vaughn Jr. mattered and we are working on it. And she just feels she, she wasn't getting that. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time uh, listening to police dispatch calls, reading those reports, talking with her. You know, a woman, um, two women up in the Lakes region never knew this child or this family just got wind of it um one has started a facebook page to just bring awareness and the other woman all on her own in october marched into the mayor's office with a picture of this boy and said i want this on your desk until an arrest has been made um, to remind you every day that he mattered and when i talked to the mayor months later that it is on his desk and he's as frustrated as anyone that this is not moving forward Um, And that woman's raising money to put this boy's face on a billboard to remind people this case is still out there. So it just struck me, you know, oftentimes it's the mom or a family member calling for justice. And in this case, Dennis's mom did for a long time. But here was some additional people um, calling for justice. One thing that was unusual here is I've been trying to find the grandmother, as had anyone, everyone else, for a couple of years and I found her, she uses a fake name on Facebook. I found out that name. 
her Facebook page wouldn't take messages, but she was selling a whole bunch of stuff uh, from her home in another state. And so I responded to um, a posting for painting and said, this is who I am. Will you talk to me? Uh, initially, she blocked me. And then over three days, I got 90 messages from her on Facebook Messenger, um, blaming other people um, for the abuse of the children, blaming other people for the death. In one case, she said the ambulance driver who came to get Dennis's body had bumped him against the ambulance. She said that she had done one interview um, with the police for one hour and then got mad and distrustful and didn't talk to them again. So if, if that's the case, I mean, it appears maybe she, I have talked to her longer than any investigator has. Um, and in the course of that, she, she just you know, denied that she recognizes she's a suspect, but she denied um, any abuse and um, obviously killing her grandson. So it was a bummer of a case. It felt important to do because of this accountability. You know, someone asked, was this a true crime kind of story? And, you know, I think the AG's office said this is a domestic situation, basically with a very small number of suspects. I don't think the question of you know, who might be connected to this is a question. Um, I My question is, does justice matter? Like, does it depend on your address and your zip code? If you don't live in Manchester, where the chief there is incredibly proactive and in getting uh, requests out for tips, do you not get the same attention for your child? So that's what I was interested in. Yeah, it's kind of like, like New Hampshire is like a lot of police officers, but it's a lot of individual police departments that have a fair bit of autonomy where, yeah, they get their initial training from New Hampshire's uh, state training center uh, over there with John Skippa. But I, I mean, as soon as as soon as they hit the ground they're I mean, they're off to whatever that that jurisdiction allows them to do. And this I mean, when you decentralize very small rural towns, when you look at the grand scheme of things, even if there are, there are maybe a lot of people in that town, it's easier for things to fall through the cracks and accountability to not be taken care of. I think that's true. There is no, like the AG's office is the head law enforcement in the state and they're leading this investigation, but they're you know, not also managing the communications on this case. And you have a Laconia, which is a small community where they're not having to like seek help for violent crime very often they don't have experience with that versus a manchester where they're quite familiar with this unfortunately because there is a lot of crime um, and they're just adept at using social media um, and and you know the governor and the ag's office did say the harmony montgomery case began as a missing persons we had to be out there looking for tips and that i think that makes sense to anyone what was different is they continued to talk about it as a tragic loss of a small human being, even after her case was ruled a homicide. And that's not been true here. Yeah. And Sununu is kind of like we're it's in the system and being kind of hands off on this. I was able to ask him today, you know, in the Harmony Montgomery case, he called for a very significant review of DCY's handling of some abuse and neglect calls in that case. Uh, there was also a situation where Massachusetts had her for a while, moved her to New Hampshire, didn't communicate that to the state. So there was um, cross-border um, miscommunication. And he called for you know, a significant review of that, released the findings of that review in which he went through a lot of the details of those abuse complaints, how DCOF handled them. And 
demanded a lot of changes. And, you know, the seven page report, the last few are recommendations on how to do this better. Um, and so I said, you know, did you think of doing that here? Is this also a candidate for that kind of review that we have 25 complaints um, here? And he said the system, you know, there's a process within the system for this. And he said Harmony was really about a broken system. And I said, I think people would say that here. Yeah. You know, I think they would try to make an argument here for the same. And he he doesn't see it that way. What's the situation with the reason why this child was with his, his grandmother instead of the parents? Like, it seems like I didn't. I can't, sorry if I missed in your article, but like, I don't know what the deal is with the father and the mother's in a different state. The mom was here. Uh, so the mom was 15. Her mom, the grandmother, mm -hmm. left her behind at age 15. And she moved in with um, a couple, married couple. Um, the husband was almost 50. Um, and then in the course of a few years, she had had four children with that man. And this is according to the mom's version. Um, that dad um, was never involved in the children's lives. You know, he's out of state now. And they both had drug and um, drug use problems. And the father was there was concerns about domestic violence against, you know, Danielle Vaughn, the mom and the kids. So the state took the kids out of there, um, put them with a foster family, and that didn't work out, and ultimately put them with the grandmother. Um, and then they were there for about two and a half years. And in the course of that time, the, the reports came in. Um, gradually, the mom, Danielle Vaughn, was sort of getting her life back on track and had gone to court to get guardianship. And that was working through the system you know, as this abuse is going on. And the judge at one point just said the grandmother had this sadistic isolation crusade to keep mom away from the kids. And so there was, you know, a problem at home that DCYF had a reason, it sounds like, to remove those kids out of safety concerns. Um, and I, I guess you could say they just didn't get back with their mom in time. Uh, the, the other kids are now with her. Terrible situation all the way around. So really unfortunate. It really is. Yeah. It, I mean, hopefully, I mean, with with at least charges being brought in the Harmony Montgomery case, um, I'm hoping that the these sorts of stories don't just go go hidden in the mainstream narrative on how children are treated in the stakes. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's important. I mean, I, I've had conversations with Michael Lewis over at Rathion Pignatelli and Leah Punkett, who is down at Harvard Law now, um, about this. I mean, they see tremendous failures in how the state's handling uh, cases in these situations. And I don't think anyone who goes into DCYF work goes in to drop the ball in a case or overlook something. You have to think about the, you know, underfunding of that agency over several years. Um, try to hold on to workforce. There's not enough people, so they're way overburdened. These are emotionally draining cases. And so when you talk about the system failing, I do think you have to look at, you know, political will, um, to fund that agency to the degree it needs to be funded, and that hasn't happened, you know, for years yeah. now. Yeah, it's a, yeah, definitely. Don't demonize the, these individuals that are like these. These are horrible jobs. I could not imagine doing dealing with these very sad situations with occasional glimmers of hopefully things going in the right directions. Is uh, 
I mean, these these people probably don't get paid terribly large amounts. Hard to recruit new people to to enter the field. I mean, we're seeing that across all state agencies, and I can only imagine DCYF and HHS with everything that's going on with public mm-hmm. health emergency and things like this. It, it's tough. I, I I know. I just can't imagine sticking with this when you must feel like you never can quite do enough. You can't get to the end of that case. You can't get out to that call. It's gotta be really difficult. I you know, did two years as a school counselor and I left every day feeling like I didn't get to help that kid. And this is 10 times more um, critical and crucial and, and serious. And so it, it's got to feel difficult to try to keep up with that um, while you don't have the resources to do it. All right, let's shift over to uh, another subject here with um, articles titled With Illegal Crossings Up and Federal Aid Down, Sununu Wants $1.4 Million for Border Patrols. It seems like something this talk about about once a year or so. Someone brings it up. Buzz sure loves bringing it up over at UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law with some of his ACLU buddies because they, this is a big case that they, uh, for, or situation for various reasons why they really get red flags in their minds on things. But uh, what's the latest in this situation? So I, I won't have these numbers exactly right, but according to Border Patrol on the northern border, of which New Hampshire has 58 miles, there's been just an explosion of people coming across illegally. I think in you know one month of this year, it was more than it had been in the like this January it was more than the 12 prior Januaries combined. It was just a huge number. So I think the question there is what is this money for? You know, the federal government has been giving the state about $180,000 a year to work, you know, on board, border patrol to work with the feds on border control. Now we're going to bump that up to 1.4 million over two years. You know, I think the question is how many people are coming over the border? How many people are crossing that 58 mile border in New Hampshire? What will that money be used for? Um, there's not a lot of answers to that yet. Um, and if anyone has done a freedom of information request to the federal government, you will know that is not a quick process. So I think it would be interesting to know the numbers, like what they really are seeing. Hmm. So stay tuned on that. I'm trying to get that. It's a slow process. But I think that's the question. What you know, we can't take officials' words for it. Yeah. Um, what is it really like up there? What is um what is it like on the ground? What is, you know, there's one case of a person who did come over legally and, and murdered a woman in Nashua. And that is not representative of every case, but sometimes it's talked about in that way. So really I'd love to know, like, you know, what is it really like? What's the broad yeah. perspective of situations up there? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people that are coming across the border, but if they're not able to just via vehicles and such, I mean, how many people head up to Montreal and such through the New Hampshire border, especially, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people going through, and I mean, there's no to to get, take the uh, probably the reason one of the reasons why they're looking for this sort of coverage. I mean, when you look at the track history with the fentanyl issue we have in the state, there is a considerable amount of it coming in through the northern border. Also, and just in the long term, looking back in history, I mean, the nine eleven hijackers. I mean, some of them came yeah. through the Canadian border. It's people forget that, oh, by the way, Canada has has a bunch of cities and it, it, with the way we handle Canadian uh, border crossings is an important way to how uh, with criminal justice system in this country. 
But I do think we need to know what's happening here. Yes. Um, that 340 something that I said happened in January. I mean, that includes New York, Vermont, and New Hampshire is 58 miles. Vermont alone has 90 miles, almost twice what we have. So we're a small piece of that. And I think that's an important question because is this money going to the right place? Is this money, what is needed? Is this the kind of support that's needed? So I think to know more details about what's happening on the ground is really important. Super important. I, I mean, if they need more staff, like, is that the problem? Because I mean, you're talking 800K. I mean, that's a 10 to 12 employees. It's really not that much staffing. If like, if that's the issue, I mean, maybe they need technology upgrades as we've seen a lot of attention on the Southern border. I mean, I think a lot of this, people just think about the, the Southern border with everything, but it's the international implications of border policy coming from DC. I mean, if people mm -hmm. think that, Hey, I, I can enter the country safely as we saw with the huge surge before Biden came into office. I mean, there's implications for the Northern border, even though it's 58 miles, but mm -hmm. if it's known that, Hey, we got these Northern states, with just kind of flexible border openings, then it could be a problem. Mm -hmm. I guess stay tuned to see what's um, what that looks like on the ground. I, I will share one number. There's a couple of categories of illegal um, people, illegals, as they call it on the um, Border Patrol website. This one category is called Title Aid. It's one of a couple categories. There were 91 people last year who came across in that in that category of people. So that's 10, um, not even 10 a month, you know? So how many are we talking yeah. about? Is it drugs? Is it something else? So just to know, I think it, we have to go beyond the governor's announcement that there's 140, 1.4 million going out there. And some of the ACLU crews raise problems, raise uh concern over in the past is over the amount of policing these border patrol officers are doing with vehicles just driving around that part of the state where mm -hmm. they were pulling people over with with customs officers mm -hmm. in, investigating things that didn't necessarily look legitimate why they were doing it right I, I just think we need more information um the daily rat race of journalism sometimes you have to do the press release and move on. Um, I am fortunate at the bulletin, we can take a breath sometimes um, because it's a lot of money and it's an important issue. And is that money and the issue that are matching up? You know, is the need and the issue and the money matching up? Yeah, it goes back to the kind of, as I've talked about repeatedly over all my programs, is the problem with lack of money in journalism in the state right now means that investigative journalism is very limited what it can cover because you can only hit so many things. Like a story like this, you could easily cover this 24-7 because there's so much, things, so much stuff to go through and to write about and put it in a way that uh, someone like me that doesn't understand all the numbers, what they mean, and put it into usable ways. And, you, know, I, you know, if you spend too much time on Twitter, there's lots of pressure to cover the shiny object, yeah. what the federal delegation is or not doing. And my response is, I have a story list five miles long of things that affect people's lives here. Um, we are fortunate at the Bulletin, you know, despite being grant funded, donor funded, we have the time and the resources to do more. And even that doesn't feel like enough, but I do feel like we're lucky to have three people at the state house, to, and that gives you a chance to take that news, go out into the community and say, this is why it matters to you, or this is how it impacts you. Um, we are really lucky here, I think, in the journalism scene. We have the Granite State News Collaborative, which shares 
Everyone shares their content. I do feel like you can be an informed human being in this state if you, you know, pick up the news. There's so many free outlets. The Bulletin's free and HPR is free. New Hampshire in depth is free. The collaborative content is free. So um, we are really lucky here. I know journalism generally is not in the best shape, um, but I think we're in doing it well here in the state and it's pretty accessible. Senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmons of New Hampshire Bulletin, NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from them. Thank you so much for joining me. Great to see you. Tune in next week. We have their brand new reporter, Hadley Barndollar, joining the show. I'm excited to have her on. She's uh, she's the the new Amanda Goki who has moved over to the Boston Globe, so covering a different beat over there. But we have, we'll have we have some coverage of environment, climate, and energy and things like that again, which would be great to have. It's New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. We'll be back next week.